story and the birth of Jesus Christ. And as a preacher, one of the things, and this sounds bad, I guess, but one of the least thing, favorite things I have to preach about is the Christmas story. So we don't like Christmas. Uh, you have heard every sermon that could be preached from the Christmas story. And you have heard it from every angle and you have heard it in every fashion uh, that there is. But I'm glad... Uh, that 2,000 years ago, that when Jesus was born, it was more uh, than just a nativity scene. It was more than just a pretty sight. But there, when Jesus was born, the Savior of all the mankind, the Savior of all the world, had finally come to the earth in the fullness of time. God knew when that was going to happen. God had all that planned. And He came in the fullness of time to deliver mankind from His sins and to accomplish that work. And He did all of that for you and I and how much we owe to the Savior this morning. And I want to preach to you from just a little bit from Luke chapter 1 and verse number 26. And this text has been a blessing to my heart as I've read it this week and I pray that it might be to yours as well. In verse number 26 it says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said unto the handmaid of the Lord, and said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. As I read this text this week and I considered the conversation that went on between Mary and between the angel in this setting, the question that God put on my heart and the question that God asked me was very simple. It was this, why are you who you are? And why are you what you are? And what is the reason that you are the way that you are? And as I considered that question, uh, it, God brought it to my attention anyways in my own life and maybe yours as well as you read this text that many times we are shaped and influenced by the wrong voices. We are shaped and influenced and molded by all of the voices that we hear in this world and by all of the people that are telling us to be this and be that and think this way and think that way and do it this way. And the world is screaming at what you need to be and what I need to be. And sometimes the intentions might be good, but know this, there is nobody more important than you and I listen to than the Lord Himself. And when we read this text, Mary made this statement, Be it unto me, not according to Joseph, not according to society, not according to my plan, not according to my peers, but according to Thy Word. Be it unto me. And it is my prayer this morning that when we leave this place, 
that we might cry out to God and say, Lord, be it unto me according to Your Word. Lord, whatever it is that You have said, whatever it is that You want, whatever it is that You are telling me, Lord, that's the reason I want to be who I am. Lord, that, that's who I want to be, and I want it to be fashioned by You. You see, we live in a world today with so much noise that is going on. I mean, there is constant noise all the time. You look at your phone, you turn on the TV, you listen to the radio, it doesn't matter where it is, it's constant noise that's going on. And you know what that noise is always doing? That noise is always trying to shape you and mold you. You can say all day, this morning, well, none of that matters to me. You know, none of that is going to affect me. Every bit of it's going to affect you, all right? Every bit of what you listen to, what you watch, what you see, who you surround yourself with, it will affect you in some way. And it begins at an age of a way down here of shaping and molding and defining how we are and what we think and why we do things. And the world is constantly telling people how they ought to live, how they ought to dress, how they ought to act, what they ought to do with their life and that's the reason that we live in such a world of immorality that's the reason we live in a world with no modesty, that's the reason we live in a world with no respect it is because we have allowed the culture to define what we do and we are what we are according to the world and not according to the word of God and we need to get to a place in our life where we come to the realization that I don't want anybody else to shape me other than God Himself through His Word. That, that it doesn't matter what anybody else says about me. And you can say, well, preacher, what God wants me to do isn't the norms of society. And I would say this morning that God has never operated by the norms of society. And God has never been defined by the norms of society. And God is not interested in you and I being defined by the norms of society. Society can accept whatever it is that they would like to accept. But the Christian ought to still live according to the Word. Word of God. And the Christian ought to still be defined and structured and molded and shaped and influenced by what God has written right here for you and I. And in this conversation that Mary had with the angel, Mary came to this conclusion, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. There are just a few things I'd like to call your attention to in this text and I'll, I'll be done. I want you to see the revelation that Mary received. Take yourself back with me on a little journey to a small town called Nazareth. There isn't much about this town. There isn't a lot to offer in this town. We would say of this town that it might be the backwoods, alright? Those are the people that grew up in the sticks over there. It was a place that was not wealthy. It was a place that they did not have a lot. One person even asked the question, can anything good come from Nazareth? They looked down on the people of Nazareth, thought there's nothing good that has ever come from that city. But there in that little old city of Nazareth, there was a young woman that was engaged to a young carpenter and they were soon to be married. And I'm sure these two, like most young people, probably did not have everything figured out. They probably lived paycheck to paycheck. They probably didn't know everything that was going to happen in their their life but they loved each other and they wanted to get married one day. And one evening while Mary was there getting ready to uh, for a good night's rest, this angel Gabriel appeared unto her. And can you imagine as she is there, uh, wherever she might have been doing, whatever it might have been, and the angel of God just appeared in her sight. And there she is in the presence of this magnificent sight and encounter. And she is just blown away. She, she's, she's amazed and she's startled and she's troubled by what she is seeing and by what she is hearing. But then she even finds out more 
After the angel says, listen, you're highly favored. You're going to be blessed among all women. And she doesn't understand exactly what he is saying. But then the angel says this in verse number 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. And thou shalt bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. You imagine as she receives this news that is being given to her that she's going to have a baby. So well, every every mother, nearly every mother, dreams and and desires of having a baby, and and what a what a great blessing that was. But listen, this baby was going to be like no other baby that was born before, and no other baby that has been born afterwards. And and she was given this message and this revelation that you, as a virgin, you're going to have a baby, and it's going to be Jesus, and he's going to be the Savior, and he's going to be the Most High, and he's going to be the King. And she is trying to process all of this, and I'm afraid that many times as we approach this time of the year we direct our attention back 2,000 years ago to Bethlehem and we look at the manger scene and, and we look at that and we see the donkeys and we see the cows and we see what other, other animals we like to place there in that nativity scene and, and we see the angels and we see the shepherds and, and if you really like to mix things up you bring the wise men early and you put them there too and, and you see this nativity scene and they're all gathered around there and you see Mary and Joseph and they're laying there by the manger and we think, oh, what a beautiful sight that is. This morning I would like to encourage you to do something more than just seeing the baby that is lying in the manger, but that you would see Jesus for who He really is. It's easy to look. It's easy to look and say, wow, what a beautiful picture that is of this helpless babe that laid in the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. But please never forget that that baby that laid in the manger wrapped in those swaddling clothes was and is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the, the, he is the bread of life that was born in Bethlehem. He's the light of the world and the resurrection. He's everything that man has ever needed and all that man will ever need. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Messiah. He is not just a baby that we look at and say, oh, how cute that is. No, that that same baby is the same person that was nailed to Calvary and that sits at the right hand of the throne of God and will one day reign and rule forever in New Jerusalem. And when we look at Him, we ought to see Him for who He is. And can you imagine Mary being told that you you will bring this baby into the world. You have the responsibility of delivering this baby into the world and then you will have the responsibility of raising him. I would ask you just as a side note this morning, could God trust you to raise his child? Could God trust you to raise his son? Can you imagine being Mary, given the responsibility to raise up and rear up this son and to teach him and provide him and do all of those things? Hey, she had a great blessing. It was a great honor. But friend, it was a great responsibility that was given to her as well. And she was. this was revealed to her by this angel here in this scene and we consider who he was and who she was bringing into the earth and we look and we say well but I'm glad that I don't have that responsibility I'm glad that God didn't choose you or choose me maybe to bear and to deliver Jesus into this world I would submit to you this morning that while we have not been called 
to be the one that brought the body of Christ into this world, we have been called to be the body of Christ to this world. And we have the responsibility to be a witness, a light. We have a responsibility to bring Jesus to people. We have a responsibility to take the message of Jesus to this lost and dying world. Yes, Mary was used greatly, but understand God wants to use you greatly as well. And yes, God had a perfect plan for Mary, but God has a perfect plan for you as well. And yes, God did a mighty work work inside of Mary, but God wants to do a mighty work inside of you as well. He wants to use you just like He used Mary to bring the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world so that they might see who He is. And if you have ever just slowed down, you know what God will do? God will begin to reveal things to you as well. And there Mary was. She was in this setting going about her life and preparing for the things that were coming in the future. And you know what God did? God just interrupted everything. Now, I don't know if y'all figure this out or not, but God is good about interrupting everybody's plans, isn't He? God is good about taking what you've got planned and saying, you know what? I think we're going to mix that up just a little bit and we're going to do something else here. And here Mary is and she's got all these plans and God said, hold up. Hold up, I've got something else for you to do. And you're going to bring this baby and you're going to conceive and you're going to bring him into the world and this is who he's going to be. And you know what Mary said? Mary said, right off the bat, how shall these things be? How shall these things be that I've never known a man? You see her reservation that she had. She was a virgin. This was impossible, all right? There's no way that Mary is ever going to have a baby at this point. And she said, well, how are these things going to be? And I would, I would say this, this morning that her doubt and her reservation that she had concerning the plan that God had, I, I believe that it was reasonable in the sense that she said, listen, it's impossible, all right? I don't know much, but I know this. That ain't happening, all right? I, I, I've never been with a man. And she said, there's no way. And look at what the angel said. Continue to read on. The angel said, there's nothing that's impossible with God. There's absolutely nothing. And I think about that reservation that she had. And how many times as God's people do we have reservation and we doubt what God is capable of doing in our life and in our church and in our family. And God comes to us and He said, Brother Ray, this is what I'm going to do in your life. And you say, well, how's that going to be? How are you going to do something like that in my life? I'm not capable and I'm not good enough and I've never done this and I've never done that. And all these doubts begin to fill our minds. And you know what I've learned that doubt does? Doubt will rob you of experiencing the fullness of God in your life. It will keep you from experiencing everything good that God wants you to experience. And you'll sit on the sideline for the rest of your life because you don't trust that God is able to do something great in your life and great in you and through you. And because you've discovered qualified yourself you have robbed yourself from getting to enjoy all that God wants to do you say well preacher there's just no way there's no way that God could do something in my life like that listen just as he wanted to use Mary he wants to use you as well and you know as we consider this story I think about her doubt and I'm reminded I do the same thing it's easy to look you know we look back at the Bible and we say man a bunch of Bunch of fools just doubted God all the time, you know, didn't they? I mean, God would do something in their life and they would say, God's so good. And then a problem would come up and they'd begin to doubt God. And we say, I just can't believe that they do such a thing. And you and I do the same thing on a daily basis. I was reminded as I read this text 
this 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 time of the year that about seven years ago and and God brought this to my attention and just kind of moved in my heart with it I guess but about seven years ago around this time brother Bobby Yarbrough called me and said you know blah 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 we're looking for a preacher and all of this and we've got nobody else and we're looking for the, the bottom of the barrel you know and uh, would you come and and preach and come in view of a call and I remember telling brother Bobby by the influence and by the wisdom and by the advice of other people and by my own reason and doubt, I said, Brother Bobby, I just don't think that that's for me. And I, I remember that. I doubted. I remember saying, you know, I just don't think that's a good fit. You know, I don't think things are going to work out. I never pastored before. And, you know, I knew people like Bobby Rhodes and some of y'all. And I thought, boy, y'all need somebody with experience and wisdom, you know, and all of that. But I remember a few months after that, I'm sure glad. I'm sure glad. And I mean this with all of my heart. I thank God that He didn't stop when I stopped. And I thank God that He gave me an opportunity to do that again, which I said I wasn't able to do. Because if I would have followed my doubts and I would have followed my reason, I'd have missed out on one of the greatest blessings of my life. And it would have all been because I doubted what God was able to do. And I hope that you know no matter what it's going on in your life, if you're doubting God and you're not going to step out and do whatever it is God's calling you to do, you are robbing yourself, your family, your children, your church from the greatest blessing that they can have by not doing what God has called you to do. And doubt will do it every time. She had that reservation, but notice and look at the reminders that were given to her. In verse number 37, the angel made this statement, for with God, nothing. Not, not, you know, most things, but nothing. There is not one thing on planet earth that is impossible when God is included in the equation. When you bring God in, God can do and will do anything that He pleases to do. I'm afraid that many times we have taken God and we have placed Him in this little box that we can hold with our hands and we said this is what God is capable of doing and this is what God is able to do. But we must remember that God has no limits and there is nothing that is too big for God and there's nothing that is too great for God and you might say well preacher what God has asked of me is too great for somebody like me here's the thing God did not ask you to do something because he thought you were capable he asked you to do it because he's capable to do it through you and in you but we must come to the realization that all things are possible hey I believe that God can do anything God wants to do I believe God can build a church I believe that God can take a family and God can put a family back together. I believe God can take a life that has been wasted for years and God can restore it and use that person again. There is nothing that is too big for God to accomplish. You say the task at hand is too much. You say all my dreams and desires, I'm too far gone. Nobody has ever been too far gone for the Lord to bring back. Nothing is impossible. Notice the the way that he said this was going to happen. Look at what the angel said. She said, how are these things going to be? How's, how's it going to happen? And then in verse number 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. They say, Lord, how? How are you going to do all this in my life? I, I believe it. You're, everything's possible with you, Lord. How are you going to do it? And here's what the Lord says. The Holy Ghost is going to come on you and the Holy Ghost is going to be the one that does the work in your life and on your life. And I would say this morning that before God will ever do anything through you and I, God has got to be able to do something in you and I. And He's going to do that through the Holy Spirit of God as He works on our hearts and we submit ourselves to Him. And He can change and He can accomplish the greatest of tasks when we allow Him to come into our life. I'm afraid this morning that many of us as Christians 
We are trying to do everything that God has called us to do in our own power and in our own spirit, in our own attitudes, in our own personalities, in our own abilities, and we're trying to accomplish all of that. And I know I don't know nearly as much as many of you do about life, but I do know this, that any time I've ever left God out, I've failed miserably. And any time that I've ever tried to do anything in my own strength and in my own wisdom and my own ability, that I came up short uh, every single time. But every time that I ever faced a challenge and every time that I ever had an opportunity and I just simply invited God in to help me, God got me through it every single time. And the Holy Ghost came down and He did a work in our life. And He moved and He put things together. And listen, if the Holy Spirit of God could come down into Mary, into her womb, and cause with her womb without anything else to be able to conceive and bring forth a child, there is nothing in your life that God cannot do. There is nothing in your life that God cannot accomplish inside of you. If He could do that, then friend, He can do what He needs to do in your heart as well if you'll let Him. But many of us as Christians, you know what we've done to the Holy Spirit? We have quenched Him every time that He gets to move it. Every time that the Spirit of God begins to move in our heart, in our life, in our service, whatever it is, we just stomp Him out. You know, We, we don't want God to do that. and We don't want God to move in our life. And we don't want God to move in our service. And we get nervous. We get scared about all that God may do. Know this, you'll never accomplish anything for the Lord without the working of the Holy Spirit of God inside of your life. And if you've quenched Him and you've said, Lord, I don't even want it. I don't want you to work. I don't." And you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. You're going to live a miserable life the rest of your life because you were not saved and you were not left here to live on cruise control just enjoying the things of life for the next 20, 30, 40 years. You were saved to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ and for Him to do a work in your life to begin to mold you and make you into the image of His dear Son, Jesus Christ. And if we're not letting Him do that, then we're missing out on the entire purpose. Mary was used in a mighty way. You say, well, how did it happen? Well, it happened because the power of the highest overshadowed her. Because the Holy Ghost came down and did a work inside of her. Notice this other reminder that the angel gave her in verse number 36. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. You say, why do you, why do you include that? Why, why, do, why do you include that? You know, again, I try to put myself in Mary's shoes and I, I think about that. Lord, I'm, I, there's no way that I'm able to do this. You know, you, you put yourself in her shoes and she said, Lord, there's no way that this happened. Well, she knew Elizabeth. She knew Elizabeth is old and Elizabeth isn't able to have kids. And when God came and told Mary, hey, Elizabeth, the same one that you thought wasn't able to have children, guess what? She's expecting two. You know what that probably did for Mary? If God's able to do something for her, God's able to do something for me, right? If God's able to do a work in her life, then God's able to do a work in my life. And I wonder this morning if there are other people in your life that are doubting. And they're saying, you know what? I don't know if God could ever use me. And I don't know if God could ever do something in my life. I don't know if God has a plan. I wonder if they looked at your life would they see evidence that God can still do something? I wonder if God would tell to them, well, you remember Levi? You, you remember Miss Betty? You remember Brother Dennis? You, you know what's going on in their life? I did something for them. And if I did something for them, then I can do something for you as well. We should want our lives to be living proof that God is still working in the lives of His people. We should want our lives to be a testimony, not of our greatness, but of the greatness of God, so that when people that are living in doubt and fear and worry, they might just catch a glimpse of what God is doing in your life, and then they would say, if God's able to do it for them, then praise God, He's able to do it for me as well. He 
did that in your life and He's doing that in your life so that others might be encouraged by it as well. Then notice the last thing and I'll be done. Look at the response that Mary made. That Mary gave back to the angel. In verse number 38, she made this statement, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. You know what Mary was saying there? I'm just a servant of the Lord. You know, Here's what, here's what Mary was saying. I am in no place to debate or argue with what God has just said. And I think, and I'm included in it, but there are many of Christians that need to be reminded. You are in no place to debate or argue with the Lord. You say, well, it's my life. It's my life. I want to do what I want to do, and I want to live how I want to live, and I want to, I want to do all these things. It's not your life anymore, all right? You were saved and you were bought and you were redeemed and the precious blood of Jesus was shed on Calvary's cross for you so that you could be eternally saved and given eternal life. And the Bible says you've been bought with a price so glorify God and live for Him and give Him your life. And what we need to do is come to the realization I am nothing but a servant. But we like to sit there and we like to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm something special in the eyes of the Lord. And I, maybe I'll just go on for a minute, but I, I'm something special in the eyes of the Lord, Brother Bobby. And you know, God is blessed to have me here, you know. God is, I mean, the work of God has just went forward because of Levi Coerce. And we like to, we like to put ourselves in this position and we like to sit there and act like, hey, if I wasn't there, then it would all fall apart or, or y'all ought to be so glad that I'm here because I've added so much. Let me remind you in the politest way that I know how you are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You belong to Him and He has bought you with His blood and at the end of the day when you serve Him with all of your life you have simply done your reasonable service and that's all that I have done. He deserves the most that we can give Him and then we give Him the least that we can and we want to pat on our back because we've done something for the Lord. There's not one Christian on planet earth today that deserves a pat on the back. I'm all for recognizing and encouraging people, and I think we ought to. But I don't think one Christian stands in, in deserving of any pat on the back from the Lord because of what we've done. She said, Behold, I'm just a slave. I'm just a servant. I'm just a poor old girl. I'm just, I ain't got nothing, Lord. And whatever you want to do to my life, hey, that's what I want you to do. And she made this statement after that. She said, Be it unto me according to thy word. What you've said, that's what I want you to do for me. What you've said, the promises that you've made, the plan that you gave, Lord, that's what I want you to be it unto me, not according to what I think, not according to what so-and-so thinks, but Lord, according to thy word. You know what Mary was accepting here? Mary was accepting a pregnancy that was going to be cause her to be accused of adultery. Mary was accepting a pregnancy that many people would look at and gossip about. Now, remember, you know, there were probably some Baptists back in that day, all right? And so they probably gossiped a little bit. You imagine as Mary walks around and Joseph and they're engaged. They hadn't actually got married yet and Mary's pregnant. I can just imagine all of the gossip. And I can just imagine all of the slander that would go on. All of the dirty looks and all of the whispering behind their backs. And in that day, you know what? We'd look at it and say, well, they accuse them of adultery, no big deal. It was a big deal back in that day. Hey, if she was accused of adultery, of this pregnancy, it would be suspicious that there would be adultery. It would carry it along with it the possibility of a death penalty because of that. And Mary was saying, Lord, if that's what it takes, be it unto me according to thy word. Or whatever it is, if it puts me in a situation that is uncomfortable and it puts me in a situation that is hard and it makes me go through things that I don't want to go through, my answer is the same. 
Be it unto me according to thy word. And whatever it is that you want. That's the kind of commitment and the faith that we need today. Lord, whatever you've told me to do, that's what I want you to do in my life. Maybe this morning you would want to say, well, why? And we'll close with this thought. Why, why was it so important that Jesus was born of a virgin? Why, why couldn't God use Elizabeth or, or somebody else? And, and God brought forth a great child through Elizabeth, didn't He? And John the Baptist came forth and did a, did a mighty work for the Lord. But John the Baptist never saved one soul. And he never possessed the ability to save one soul. Because any man that was ever born of man and woman carried with him the nature of sin and was a sinner by nature and could never do on the cross of Calvary what Jesus did. Only a sinless person could take on the sins of the entire world. Why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin? Well, He needed a body. He needed a body. Listen, the Lord Himself has existed throughout all eternity. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was not born on Christmas Day. The body that He took on for His 33 and a half years of ministry was delivered, but the Son of God has existed for eternity. A child was given, alright? A son was given, and He came to us and in that body, but He has always existed, and He came in that body. Because he needed a body that was perfect and a body that was pure and a body that had never sinned because 33 years after he was born, the Bible says that he that knew no sin would become sin for us. And he would take every bit of sin that you have ever committed. You get this thought in your head for just a minute. Every sin that you've ever thought, every lie, every lustful thought, every bad word, every, every cross conversation you've had with somebody, whatever it might, every bit of it. And the Lord Jesus, 2,000 years ago, took every bit of that on His body. I mean all of it. Not some of it. Not the bad sins. But everything you've ever done wrong. And the whole world. And He placed it on His body. And He suffered under the mighty wrath of God because of your sin and my sin. And the only way that we could be saved was for Jesus to be born of Mary and to come so He could take on all that sin and He could take it to Calvary. And you know what He did? He said, I'm going to take all of that, all your sin, all your unrighteousness, and in return, when you call out to me in faith, He said, I'm going to give you my righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for those of us that knew no righteousness so we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And He did that for you and He did that for me and all that He requires today for you to be saved is for you to turn from your unbelief and to call on Jesus Christ in faith in the finished work of Calvary in the empty grave. Let me ask you this question. Can you think of any good reason to not be saved today? There are probably people that are lost in this building. You're lost and you're undone in your sins. And, and you, 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 we like to think tomorrow. We like to think next week. We like to think another day or whatever it may be. But just what if that day never comes? What, what if that day never happens? And this is the last day that the Lord draws you and convicts you to be saved and gives you an opportunity like this to call out on the name of Jesus Christ. Do you really want to pass up that opportunity. Can you think of any good reason? You think of one good reason to not get saved today if God's dealing with you. And I'd accept that reason, but I don't think anybody here can think of a good reason to reject the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Those of you that are saved, you're probably thinking, man, I wish they'd get saved. I hope they get saved. Let me ask you this. Can you think of any good reason not to say, be it unto me according to thy word, Lord? You're saved, but have you made that statement? Have you made that prayer? Have you made that commitment? And we come up with this, well, I got this going and I got that and all these other things. Is there anything more important than being who God wants you and I to be today? Is there anything more important than surrendering our life to the one who gave his for us on Calvary? That's all he's asking today. It's a very simple response that we should make to the Lord. Be it unto me 
according to thy word. I want to ask you to stand with me as we have a verse of invitation. Lord, we are indeed thankful for all your blessings. God, I'm thankful for the Bible. I'm thankful for your word. Father, I'm thankful that Jesus was born here and that he came to this old world, Lord, to take on our sins and go to Calvary with them. And Lord, I'm very aware and I know that many are here this morning that without Jesus we would all be hell bound, Lord, to a Christless hell that we would suffer forever. But we're so thankful that Jesus came and that he did what he did on Calvary, that he rose from the grave and that today we have eternal life through him. But I'm afraid there are many that are lost still, Lord, some even in this place. And we pray, Lord, with all that we have, that today you would convict their heart and, Lord, you would show them their great need to be saved and that today would be the day they would call unto you, Lord, for salvation. Those of us that are saved, Lord, help us also to come to the realization that we can do nothing in and of ourselves, but, Lord, that we would cry out to you and we would commit our hearts and life to you, Lord, that we would be who you want us to be according to your word. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing.